Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list. Become a member for exclusive and censorship-free content by donation or for free. And most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a forensic financial economist who appears to be unique in the world. He actually reads the nominal securities that evidence the transactions before explaining what they are and what they or what they mean. He is also an historian of equity, law, and policy. He likewise researches the history and reasons behind the laws before attempting to explain what those laws say and were intended to mean. He says that otherwise, trying to understand modern finance is like playing five-dimensional chess at the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. Welcome to the show, Timothy Paul Madden. Thank you, Matthew. I'm <laughs> glad you know, to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on the show. I'm struggling through the uh, the bio because this is so foreign to me. And as we we're saying, like uh, forensic uh, banking and equity, we're having a little chat before the show. But the information that you've been researching is so crucial at this time. And I'm starting to kind of dive into um, law and legislation and how all of these things in our world are working. Um, because nobody, as you put in your bio, nobody's reading these things. Nobody's really understanding no. the architecture of our finances, of mortgages, of how things are actually operating. And that's actually what you do. So um, I'm very excited to have you on the show. You came highly recommended from Beth Mar Martins, who uh, is has an amazing show herself. And um, yeah, I'd just love for you to share a little bit about your history and who you are with the audience before we dive in. Okay, well, I have uh, was born in Winnipeg a uh, long time ago. <laughs> and um, I've lived uh, about a third of my life in, uh, in Winnipeg, another third in uh, Edmonton, and the final third so far has been in uh, on Vancouver Island. I'm here in Victoria now. But I've spent the last six years uh, in South Africa doing research into 400 years of English law and history and uh, equity and policy and how everything converges uh, at a point in history that occurred in 1895 known as the Jameson Raid on, on Johannesburg. It was Cecil Rhodes and his uh, assistant and, and cohort, Dr. Uh, Jameson, they tried to provoke an uprising in the Transvaal in Johannesburg in order to overthrow the government of the Transvaal Republic. And um, that would be uh, Paul Kruger. And um, it was, you know, they call it the, it led to the Boer War and the, um, and the rest of it, uh, or the British South African War, as it's called. Uh, but it should have been called uh, truth in or if truth in advertising applied back then, it would have been called the War for the Gold and the Diamonds because that's what it was all about to begin with, you know? And um, so anyway, I um, got on the financial track back in 1990 uh, after I um, took Eaton's to court, which is the 
for those not Canadian uh, or not old enough, Eaton's was a famous department store that had been around for a century. And, and um, I had one of their um, department store credit cards. But I, it occurred to me one day that, you know, they said they're, no, they're calculating interest in a, a fraudulent methodology. And I sued them and I won. And my um, picture appeared on the front page of the Edmonton Journal business section in April of 1990, holding up this judge's decision that said, local man beats Eaton's uh, decision could cost billions or could spur claims worth billions. Now, in actual fact, based on the numbers at the time and the simple application of the decision to uh, debt in Canada, it was going to cost the credit card companies and the banks about $100 billion in 1990. It, it was rather large. But it turned out that back in 1997, they had made it illegal under the federal securities law. And when you go back and you read the, the debates and everything and the, the discussions in the House of Commons and, and that, and you, you get a good fix on what's the purpose of it's pretty, it's absolutely clear, it's unmistakable that they intended to prevent exactly what Eaton's had been doing. Uh, and exactly the method that they said, they claimed that they were um, uh, employing now, which is okay, I'll explain how it works. But at any rate, the law in 1897, even though it's a civil law, it's federal securities law, it states that if you do what Eaton's is doing, and you, so they didn't prohibit them directly from doing it, but it said, if you, if you do that, you must also declare or disclose the real annual rate. Otherwise you can collect no more than 5% per annum. Okay, so Eaton's had been charging me, they, they claimed that the rate was 28.8, but it was actually 32.9. And at that level, the 4.1 different point, percentage point differential was accounting for closing in on 15% of their gross interest revenue on any given day. Okay, so after six years, just staying within the normal limitations period, uh, they were going to have to pay back $120 million just on this thing. But if the 5% rule were, were implied, were, were applied across the country, according to what the law actually says, then uh, Eaton's would have owed 720 million instead of 120 million. And the entire system, the banks especially, would have been looking at a trillion dollars right down in refunds in 1990. Okay, so you think, whoa, they were, uh, and, and we had them dead to rights. Now, the reason is what the bankers use is called what I call a, um, they call it the nominal method. They don't, they don't call it that when they're telling you, they tell you for instance, the rate of interest is 20%. And you, and you go, excuse me, Mr. Banker, I did the math and it's actually almost 22%. Why are you telling me it's 20%? And the banker will go, oh, well, that's the nominal annual rate. And you say, oh, I I see. It's not the real annual rate. It's the nominal annual rate. And, and what does nominal mean? Well, it means existing in name only, not real or actual. So I say, well, wait a minute. You've, you've disclosed, you're charging me 22%, but you're telling me it's 20. And when I challenge you on it, 
you're saying, yeah, it's not supposed to be accurate. It's nominal. <laughs> and so at any rate, now, now what you've got to understand is that this, what they're using, they call it the nominal method, but it's really a nominal, no, it's, it's an interest rate Richter scale. You, you, you know how a Richter scale works for earthquakes? Uh, not really. Explain it to me. Okay. Uh, the Richter scale goes from one to 10. From, you know, uh, magnitude one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's it's uniform, yeah. but they will take it in integers. Anyways, at any rate, a two is ten times as powerful as a one, not twice mm. as powerful. A mm. three is a hundred times more powerful than a one. A four is a thousand times five, six, seven, et cetera, et cetera. So it goes, it it blows up exponentially. So that if you're looking at a um, you, you know that sort of thing now. The banker's nominal rate Richter scale works exactly the same way. When the Richter scale reading they give you in the contract says 1% per annum, it's really like 1.09 or something like that. It's just a tiny, tiny little difference that you could arguably be called uh, negligible. Now, but between 1% per annum and 30% per annum on the Richter scale, or the, the interest rate Richter scale, the relative error differential increases by 1,000 times. So that it is, whatever it is at 1% in terms of how much money it's gonna cost you out of your pocket, it's 1,000 times greater at 30%. So what they're doing is they're, they're telling you, well, Eaton's was telling me it was 28.8, which is the Richter scale reading, but it was really 32.9, and you can see that difference is huge now. And then of course, every time, now if they overcharge you by 15% today, meaning if I, if, if I pay $100 on the account and they say, well, the interest charge is 115, so I pay 115 and it should have only been 100, well, that $15 differential, they will charge you interest on it forever. See, and from their position. Now you say, well, wait a minute, what if you pay the account off? Well, that okay, so you'd pay the account off, but the money is still in their pocket and they're charging somebody else interest on it or using it for leverage. So they will continue to acquire interest on that overcharge today forever. And then they'll overcharge me again tomorrow by the same amount and the same and the same. And you see how it, it starts to pile up very, very rapidly. Now, so that's between uh, 1% and 30%, it goes up exponentially, but it's still only uh, a minor fluctuation. We're still only like a two on the Richter scale. Now above that, it starts to get silly really quickly. So that by the time you're dealing with a typical payday loan in Canada, where the payday lender is telling you that the interest rate is 300%, that's the, that's the interest rate Richter scale reading. But the real interest rate that corresponds to it is 30,000% per annum and not 300%. And the government is aware of this, but they are allowing the payday loan companies to pauperize the working poor at 30,000% per annum to keep them poor and politically powerless for its own sake as a matter of policy. It's, it's not a mistake. They, they know what they're doing. <laughs> and um, you've got... So there's like say there was a one that on the CBC website article I saw I noted you know it said oh 
uh, how much do payday loans cost? They are among the most expensive ways to borrow money. And then they give you the, then they say, according to the, um, the Canadian, what are we called? The, the financial watchdog agency, you need to be very careful because $300 for 400 due in 10 days. So a hundred dollar interest charge on a $300 loan over 10 days is 435% per annum. Okay. They don't even have the guts to tell you the full reading on the Richter scale, which is 780 or 870, I beg your pardon. They give you exactly half by using loan fees, which is ridiculous, but um, they, they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to charge you $100 interest on that $300 you are going to get in your hand today, and the interest rate is 870%. But, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that $100. We're going to take, we're going to give you the same $100, but then you're going to give us $50 of it back right now today as a loan fee and only have to pay us the, under, the other $50 in 10 days. So you get 10, you get 300 today for 400 in 10 days. Well, that's exactly what I got before. Oh yeah, but now the interest rate's been cut in half to 435%. And you go, what? You know, it doesn't matter. The point is that the actual interest rate on the real transaction corresponds to 180,000% per annum. It has nothing to do with either 435 or 870. And, and, yeah, well, see, the thing is, people don't understand what's happening because they don't know what a rate of interest is. It's the rate at which the monster grows. And it's like, okay, if I, I'm the, um, I've got an investment for you, you're going you're gonna to invest in me $100, and I'm going to pay you 100% a month return on that investment. But here's the deal. Um, now, you have to take it at $100 per month. You can't roll it over or leave it in the account. So I'm gonna pay you $100 at the end of every month for a year for on a $100 investment. And at the end of the year, I will have paid you a total of $1,200 of interest, okay? But if instead I let it ride and uh, such that I don't pay you any interest until the end of the year, then I will owe you $409,500 of interest because it goes from $100 to 200 to 400 800 1600 3200 6400 12800 25600 52000 etc and, and and then up to 400 well 128 and then 256 4, 409 anyways is the 409000% per annum is the interest rate but the, what you have to realize is that whether I pay you $100 a month for 12 consecutive months or 400000 at the end of the year, the interest rate is exactly the same. Hmm. You, you have to understand that it's like the difference between the, the difference between speed and acceleration. Most people know there's a difference. Well, you know, like speed is one thing, but acceleration is something different. You feel it in your in your back as the car is accelerating and especially if it's a very fast car and uh or a very quick car rather and um so any rate when you when you look at what what's going on in terms of the 
macro thing around the world, this um, methodology they're using of this nominal rate Richter scale, um, we, they, they overturned my decision <clears throat> against Eaton's because somebody figured out fairly rapidly after I won that, uh-oh, this is already illegal for 100 years almost or not over 90 years. It's a solicitor negligence problem. See, Eaton's would have turned around and sued the lawyers, their own lawyers on Bay Street in Toronto for negligence because for failing to advise them, oh, you can't do that anymore. And they made it illegal in 1897. And it wasn't, you know, and it was still a valid law that had been there all along. And uh, go ahead. Well, well, man, my mind is already blown and trying to keep up. The, the first analogy that I could think of is, you know, when they'd ask you the question, do you want like a million dollars now or uh, a penny doubled every day for 30 yeah, days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For 30 days. Take the penny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. And so um, so there's so many different ways we could go with this. You sent me, um, you know, a PDF that you wrote that's a general theory of financial relativity that I oh. want to definitely get through to have a deeper understanding. Um, but I think for the podcast, what I kind of want to throw at you is the biggest questions and see uh, what you want to speak about. So the first thing would be, um, you know, what does the everyday person need to understand about like their own um, financial well-being? And then the second question is, on a world scale, how is this all working? Because when I was researching, you know, you hear about the the Rockefellers and the international bankers and how they would lend out more interest and they wouldn't have any gold or silver and they got run out of town, but then they started conquering the entire world through basically the same scheme that you're sharing now. And so I'm just curious if you can kind of break that down in layman's terms, what's actually happening now? Because I heard what the, what the push is now is to go to a digital currency. So then when it goes there, it's like completely meaningless you know what i mean and like you yeah, said, yeah yeah and like you said at the beginning people aren't aware of this so they're getting loans and they're not calculating how much they actually have to pay back so they're staying uh poor and they have to work harder and longer and they get sick and they don't have time to you know research or eat well or do anything like that and i've said for a long time that when i began researching what's going on in the world i was like oh of money is the new financial form, it's the new slavery, right? You wouldn't work 40 hours or 80 hours if you didn't have to get those coupons. And then I, you know, I'm just, you know, as in money, I call the money, the coupons. Mm -hmm. And and now they're just, they're, they're all the American currencies, like a debt note, right? Like it's not even a, it's just another piece of debt paper that you have to pay back. It's not, it was actually meaningless. So I don't know how to phrase all that. So maybe you can kind of give us a big picture and then a macro picture to empower people. Oh, okay, well, I'll, t I'll tell you where we're going with all this. <laughs> okay, first of all, there, there is no money. There's only what, what banks do not loan money. They are not money lenders. They are credit reinsurers. Okay, and, uh, and you, now you're going to, with that, you may not get it right away because it's such a, it flips the entire world upside down if you understand it. But I've been living with it for about a year now, and it keeps getting stronger. Once you once the bug is there in your head, you can't let it go, and and you, you eventually you'll get it. And you go, oh, that's impossible! I've been ripped, I've been robbed, blind for all of my life. <clears throat> and this, any rate, what happens is, the bank, when you sign and issue a promissory note, 
and secured by a mortgage, you are advancing real estate secured credit to the bank. The banker strips off all of the security as a premium for itself and issues back or reinsures unsecured credit to you. See, the banker arrives at the transaction with nothing and yet he leaves with four times as much as the loan is worth. It's not a loan, it's a credit reinsurance transaction. And that started um, probably in earnest in 1913, which most people know as the Federal Reserve came into. But that's when it all got organized. And um, the bottom line is that the, all, of the, the, all of the courts and the governments have all acknowledged sufficient facts and law that all of the debt everywhere in the world is not only void, but the bankers owe a refund of everything that you've ever paid them. And it, it's, it's, there's a convergence of law and equity on it. The law says the same thing as what equity says, because the, the, the reality is that they, they um, the, well, this is what I said about, about people not reading the securities. See, for 30 years, nobody's read these things. And so the bankers all go, or the solicitors say, well, why don't we add a little something here for ourselves? They're not going to read it anyways, and it's so we can cheat in the markets. And, um, and they're not going to read it anyway, so what difference does it make? And then you add another, and another, and another. And then at the end of 30 years, somebody looks at the documents, somebody like me, and says, wait a minute, you've got over 36 direct domestic criminal law and international money laundering violations on the face of the securities. See, everything started in 1980, 81, when the government of Canada said, revived the practice of what's called uh, non-obstante or notwithstanding or dispensation. And um, which the crown in right of Canada, right, the English crown and the crown in right of Canada had sworn off in perpetuity in 1689 under the Bill of Rights, that it would never again in perpetuity assert a right to give selective permission to its friends to violate the law. And that's what it that's what Canada did. It said, but it did it not only did so, it also did so and extended it into the criminal law realm where no one had been brazen enough to ever even try it before. So they they take this little um or this major thing that started a civil war back in the 1600s in England, which was the king giving dispensation, meaning he's selling the right to violate the law to his friends. So as part of the revolution, when the crown got its throne back, they had to agree in perpetuity under contract with the people called the Bill of Rights that they would never do that again. So for 300 years, then government of Canada comes along in 1981 and says, uh, and creates, in order to get rid of the limitation on the credit card debt, they had to agree to, a, to an amendment to the criminal code to provide for a criminal rate of interest in Canada, which is anything over 60% per annum. Now, if you take interest in advance, that's over 60% per annum. Like for example, if you take 5% loan fee for one day as a rake off from the proceeds, that's an interest rate of about 4.2 billion percent. 
So if it were a virus, you'd be dead within, say, 20 days. And, and, and so you say, well, that's crazy. How can it be 4.5 billion percent? It's like, it's like saying, um, you know, it doesn't matter that you'd be dead in 20 days. It's still an annual rate of growth. It's constant. And so at any rate, I mean, it's the same thing. If I come into anybody's, um, if I go to any competent um, doctor and I say, I've got a virus here that grows at 33% um, every 14 days. What's its annual rate of growth? Well, they're all going to tell you it's 180,000% per annum. But the bankers and only the bankers will tell you, no, 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 that's 870%. It's nominal. Trust us. Mm. But, but which would you rather have, 870% or 180,000%? And is this, so is this how they're doing all of the, like the mortgages or credit cards or oh, is it just well, some of them or because? Well, it's what, what happened was that what they overturned my decision at the Supreme Court of Canada fully and finally in 1995, but in, on, in late, maybe it was 93, yeah, because we were going, and then the Ontario Court of Appeal after the Supreme Court and back and forth and all this other stuff. But at any rate, about three months before we first went to the Supreme Court of Canada on it, um, I discovered that the Canadian method, the nominal method, had been made criminal fraud and banned in the UK in 1974 on the grounds that it's false and seriously misleading. So to answer your question, uh, it's banned in the UK as criminal fraud, but can't, all the Canadian judges pretend you, they don't know what I'm talking about. You put the stuff in front of them. They can't see it. They won't see it because they're all lawyers and they're all personally liable for the damages so there's no and this is and this goes to um admiralty and maritime law versus common law or something like that and absolutely and so one of the things i've kind of started to wrap my brain around looking in into this is that and this is how i kind of understand it and you said it's back to the ship so admiralty and maritime law is the law of the sea right and yeah. then there's a the law of the land well but what's it, happened Okay, correct me as a, okay. Well, correct me the, first, and I'll keep going. The law of sea of the sea means the law of commerce. Okay, is the dominant theme of that. But you're right; it's maritime law, law of the sea. But they're really talking about commerce. Right, and so okay, so when you yeah right because your commerce with the ship when the ship right. docks and you want to make commerce with whatever cargo right. they have right. So yeah. what's happened over time is it's kind of like pirates. They've come in with these different legislations and different things. And when you go to a court, they're all in on it. They have their Absolutely. own language. They have their own understanding that like they literally have their own language. And when I finally understood what was going on, it's like, I was like, why can one word mean two things? Like in the Black's Law Dictionary, person means monster, right? Yeah. And they write it with all caps. And that's why we basically, you know, Babylonian speak or whatever, we don't understand what's happening. So we assume it's the same definition, but it's not. So they're kind of in on this thing. And it's all to do with money paying a debt to the judge and they kind of are all in on this racket and now the banks are kind of into this system as well right. and we're just we're just not in the cool guys club and we have no idea what's going on and so we're basically going there as the peasants just paying and we're sitting in confusion and also bondage and slavery because we have no idea why we keep paying caesar we keep paying the government and we're like something is wrong here we can't get ahead and even when you in canada when you get ahead a little bit right then they tax you like every single way that you can and so it's it's nearly impossible to to move forward so maybe is that accurate somewhat yeah. 
to, to a certain extent, yeah, you've got it exactly right. Actually, the the um, you, you can't win in court. I've never seen anybody do it in thirty years. Yeah. You know, nobody ever wins, and it's you think, hmm, that's odd. Why is it that nobody ever wins? It's because the okay, what's happening? Now, I just delivered the um, this ninety-page or hundred of two hundred-page document. On, on these mortgage brokers here in Victoria to the RCMP commercial crime division. And I, it was like at least two dozen prima facie domestic criminal law and racketeering offenses. And um, we sent these things out about two weeks ago and, they, and it came back on a, um, oh, I shouldn't say that, no, three weeks ago. And on a Friday, they got it, delivered by registered mail first thing Monday morning, it's probably about 9 a.m. And this thing was like 250 pages long altogether. And within two hours, I got a call from the uh, woman who said she was the woman in charge of the uh, uh, commercial crime division with the RCMP. And that, and I said, what? She said, yeah, yeah, I've read your uh, report here and uh, I just calling to let you know that we're closing the file on it and that it's a civil matter. And so what is that? See, the thing is that it can only happen because of, uh, uh, hey, wait, because can, of the, the factual you, situation. Could, what, you hmm? could you repeat that? You just, you, you, the internet cut out, it could only happen. Oh. Oh, the um. Uh, oh, the the only thing that it could mean, what she told me that that it is a civil matter, was she was telling me that the RCMP do not have the capacity to arrest a lawyer mm. for a commercial thing or anybody who's been advised by a lawyer, and the only thing that makes sense is that one arm of the crown cannot arrest somebody working for another arm of the crown. And what you don't realize is that the, the bar association and the crown are one in the same. That is what I've concluded after 30 years of research, like just encountering it tangentially and stuff. It's not really an area of my, my own dedicated research, but at the end of the day, you can't, you can't reach any other conclusion other than the English crown and the um, that meaning the city of London and the bar association is an arm of the crown or the same or one in the same the RCMP in Canada is the same the queen in Canada owns all the land you can't own land in Canada you can only um, get the use of it for a period but it's all of it the mineral lights everything is the personal property of Elizabeth Mountbatten or whatever name she was born with, or uh, Elizabeth R. And but of course that's really the 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 financial uh, mecca, the the city of London. But they're the guys who are. Um, so if none of these guys can, and, and everything that I've found over the um, the last um, thirty years is consistent with the conclusion that the courts do not have the capacity to charge a bank with a crime or, or even look into it in a civil decision. And so they just, they ignore it. 
and and sooner and in year after year they've just piled one offense against another and they they said oh yeah you got to go back the most important one is the criminal interest rate the rate of conversion which is by by doing this in advance and they knew that they what they were doing at the time and they said well what about a standby fee senator this is in the banking hearings before the criminal code was amended they said um the rate of interest being infinite would surely be above 60 percent could not the bank be charged with receiving interest at a criminal rate under this new law and the re reply was theoretically yes senator that is why this section of the criminal law is somewhat unique in that it requires the express content, the consent of the attorney general before a criminal proceeding is initiated, thus preventing this, this, the application of the section to those commercial practices to which it was not intended that it apply. Okay, in other words, the bankers don't like it and they have, um, oh yes, so they said, Okay, so that was the revival of dispensation, giving the Attorney General, the Queen's representative, the, <clears throat> the right to grant dispensation by not prosecuting for criminal offenses, which is absurd but, and ridiculous. It would be like, uh, well, you come up with some pretty nasty uh, analogies, but you know, of, of looking the other way, well, one class of people is, is assaulted criminally, well, well, another is not, you know, they, and um, so this all went on for 10 years um, until uh, 1990, when, and it just was started, it just, there was just this embarrassing sequence of decisions by the Supreme Court of Canada and the appellate courts across the country for, ten, for a decade <clears throat> as they tried to protect the banks by these ridiculous interpretations of this new criminal interest rate law. And then they finally got boxed into a corner in 1989 when the, um, the, the Ontario Court of Appeal, which is populated almost entirely or exclusively of um, former bank lawyers, who were appointed by a former bank director and lawyer, which is Brian Mulroney. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember him. <laughs> but, I do, yeah, Brian Mulroney. <laughs> yeah, well, Brian Mulroney was sold to the public at the time in 19, early 1980s as a, as a labor lawyer for the Iron Ore Company of Canada. Okay, and that's what his, how he was presented to the public, but he was also, and they don't, they don't publicize this, but he was also for two years before becoming prime minister, he was a director of the CIBC. And so, and um, his co-director on the board was Conrad Black, who helped with the financing of the political campaign. So anyways, Mulroney is invited to the board of directors of the CIBC, he spends two years, 82, 83, uh, on the thing, and then he steps down in mid 1983, and um, becomes uh, runs for the the Conservative Party and and wins the election, becomes prime minister, and for the next eight years he he points nothing but big time Bay Street bank lawyers to all the appellate courts across the country. You know, I shouldn't say nothing but but predominantly and uh, certainly. Uh, misrepresentative sample. So basically, you've got maybe one in X number of thousand Canadians is a high, is a big time bank lawyer, but all of our appellate court judges happen to be 
big time bank lawyers. See, what are the odds of that happening by chance? You know, so anyways, the point is that um, they ran into a problem uh, because the the interest rate was 145% per annum on the deal. The finance company that that was on the uh, with a middleman actually, they had um, obtained their funds or the, got reinsurance from the CIBC, and then they passed it on to the so-called borrower, but with a $45,000 kickback under the table back to the lawyers and the middleman in order to conceal the criminal rate of interest. So, and they sent the, <clears throat> the records of it by mail, which is mail fraud. You've got, you've got like literally, you could probably find two or three dozen. There was at least 14 major domestic criminal law and what are called racketeering offenses or designated offenses now. It used to be called enterprise crime offenses or organized crime offenses. And so rather than deal with that, because the lawyers would have been responsible, oh, oh, and they said, oh, yes, and the parties, there's no question that the lender, as they called it, the Thompson Associates, uh, the middleman, it violated the criminal law, section 347, by entering into an agreement to receive interest at a criminal rate, which was 145%, but they didn't say that. They'll, they'll, they'll always say, well, it was more than 60%, but they'll never say the actual number because the criminal law requires the correct mathematical formula and not the Richter scale, So, which, which screws everything up for them as well. At any rate, to get these guys, the CIBC and this a big time financier named uh, William E. Thompson on Bay Street. And they had committed 14 criminal law and racketeering offenses. They got caught and they insisted on suing the guarantor anyways, even though he, was, he wasn't the borrower. He was to just given a gratuitous promissory note as a guarantee for the, for the company. And um, so they, they sued him on that basis alone. And the, unanimous panel of the Ontario Court of Appeal ruled that um, there is no question that the plaintiff um, had violated the criminal law by entering into an agreement to receive interstate criminal rate. However, the criminal law only says you will be expressly punished if you, you will be severely punished if you do this. It does not expressly state that you shall not do it. And therefore, what the bank would, what, what the bank and the others had done was clearly criminal. It was not fundamentally illegal. And they enforced it 100%. They gave the plaintiff criminal, they found that he, he had violated the criminal law, but they gave him 100% regardless on the grounds that the criminal law is not fundamentally illegal. Because it says, it doesn't say don't do it. It merely says you'll go to jail for five years. See, if you were already in a psychiatric ward, you wouldn't be getting out anytime soon if you persisted with that story. And for good reason. But they set a precedent. Now, 30 years later, nobody has said anything about it except to, to add more and more. Like within, within a matter of a very short period, 
there was another 50 decisions all saying, that's right, that's right. It's not fundamentally illegal, not fundamentally illegal. The courts now, after 500 years, we can enforce criminal contracts and we can recognize violators of the criminal uh, uh, law and pirates, uh, murderers, anybody, and grant them standing before a civil court uh, in order to claim damages from the other party. So now, <clears throat> if your getaway driver shows up late for a bank robbery, you can sue him in civil court for the losses you may experience from it. It's, that's, we ins are that's insane. So, okay, so what I'm hearing from this of what I can understand, and some people will be more astute than me and others are probably trying to keep up. Um, it sounds like there's no remedy to this. It sounds like, you know, I think a lot of people recognize that there's something wrong. Um, there's something unjust with what's happening and, and oh, these, these high level criminals are able to get away with it. So how do you see this operating worldwide? Is there a remedy? Um, and, and can the individual person empower themselves to either avoid this? Like I've heard of some people like in Australia from Solutions Empower being able to discharge a mortgage because they actually don't lend you any money um, or something like that. My, no, my no, brain. you lend them money. You, you are the creditor who advances them money and it yeah, says so in the mortgage. That doesn't even make any sense. So is it, so, you know, so, it's, so is it possible for the individual to empower themselves to kind of exit this? So maybe. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, but, but in a way, uh, you see, <clears throat> don't waste 30 years. Of, I didn't waste 30 years of my life, but <laughs> I'm saying don't you don't have to relearn the um, all the stuff because I've already gone through it. And that is that's why I've set up Werex, which is the Werex.org, which is the World Equity Repository and Exchange. And I don't know if it's. Uh, can you it's, uh, World Act? Can you spell it? W-E-R-E-X.org. Okay, so I've heard I've heard many different things, and and you can kind of let me know what's accurate, what's not accurate. I think for the people listening to this, there's going to okay. be two fundamental questions. Uh, one worldwide, like, are these people just criminals, and what's the solution to take oh, out these criminals? Because okay, no. because they are like these these evil systems. And then the second thing, if we can't take out the evil system, how can we circumvent and have our own empowerment? Because I have heard you can discharge a mortgage, which which that doesn't make any sense to me. And then some people say, you know, taxes are illegal, you know, and I've just seen a lot of people go to jail for that. So you probably don't want to go down that route. But um, I don't know uh, when I when I understand the law, it's like you could go to court and win. But these people are so corrupt that they'll just enforce it anyway or, or kind of like do some sort of shady enforcement. So how do we empower ourselves and well, how do you see this working globally? Okay, first of all, you got to understand that the judges in the system are not corrupt. They, they're, they're what I call, they are professional schizophrenics who believe what is ever necessary for the answer they need. And they genuinely believe it. So when, when you start explaining this not fundamentally illegal thing to a judge, um, I thought at first it was guilty conscience. He didn't want to hear about it. But what I re I finally clued into the fact that they really didn't understand what was wrong with it. They thought it was right. Well, see, because lawyers are, <clears throat> they're trained in the art of deceiving humans by stringing together statements that are not categorically false. Okay, so you'll get, and that's what this, 
their masterwork, the masterpiece was the decision in Thompson, whether just the criminal law only says you will be severe, says you will be severely punished. It does not expressly prohibit such behavior. The penalty is severe. It is intended to discourage such behavior. Just a consecutive, just a, one statement after another that is not categorically false, intended to reach a false conclusion, not fundamentally illegal. See? But they're trained in how to do that. And that's why the world is on the, it, we are actually facing a, a, an existential crisis. We may go extinct because the people at the top really are professional schizophrenics. They're the decision makers and they genuinely and sincerely believe whatever is necessary for the answer they need. And I see it, it and, and when, you, when you sort of shake them out of it and they suddenly look at it, I say, well, no, Your Honor, look at it from this play, on, from over in this perspective instead of from over here where you've been looking at it and you'll see the bank is, is violating 20 different federal statutes and criminal law and, and racketeering. And you, you see the look, you know, they go, they finally get it. And they realize that they've been in a stupor their entire lives and nobody's ever said, oh, it's not money lending, Your Honor, it's credit reinsurance. And then you show them that there's like a, uh, there's only like, it's really confusing, it's rife with contradictions and, and stuff that doesn't make any sense. You may get a, like a 40 to 50% coefficient uh, with, with the money lending business model. But if you say, no, no, this is credit reinsurance, you get a 99% plus correspondence. Everything is accounted for, everything makes sense. Everything is exactly what you label it when you check to see if this is you know, what's going on. Whereas these guys, everything in the money lending business model, it's just, it's just nothing, it doesn't make any sense. And they, and they know, but you see, what you have to realize is that when the, at the same time, um, when they when they made this decision on not fundamentally illegal, it had to be nuts because they were broadcasting policy to the legal profession. See, you you can't. You had thirteen consecutive judges, from the trial judge to a three panel, uh, three judge panel of the Ontario Court of Appeal, and then a nine judge panel of the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, refused leave to appeal, which is the same thing as agreeing with the unanimous court of uh, Ontario Court of Appeal decision. But you had a total of thirteen judges, and and over a period of careful consideration, and every one of them came to the same conclusion, or nobody said anything different or dissented from the opinion. They all agreed that that was a right decision. That criminal acts are not fundamentally illegal when committed by bankers, lawyers, and their financiers, or the people in the middle. And you're going, hmm, that's a little sus, you know, and, and, but they actually believe it, but they don't. And what you're saying, it's, it's they, on the one hand they do, on the other hand they don't, but it depends on which of them you're dealing with. And the reason the language gets split up is because uh, we, as humans, we have a right brain and a left brain. And there's only two other creatures on the planet that have, have a right brain and a left brain. And that's, um, chimpanzees and orangutans and humans. And what, we, what it does is it gives us this marvelous abil ability to triangulate reality through language. And um, take, take for example, the word principle in the financial sense. Now, 
is the amount of principal, the actual amount loaned by the lender and received by the borrower, or is it the amount the borrower has to agree that they owe regardless of the amount they actually receive? Is principle a noun or fact, or is it an opinion or adjective? If you look it up, I've got over a hundred dictionaries, <laughs> various signs. That's what I, what I do. I read dictionaries. <laughs> and, um, um, it's, it's actually more exciting than you might realize. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I can I'm say becoming, that. I'm becoming familiar with the Black's Law Dictionary because there's a separate language um, yeah. you know, that these people use and that, that's happening in the court. And if you don't know what it means, then you're going to kind of be um, out for some trouble. So, well, I, I'm following on as, as much as I can. Yeah, because, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's um, dead stuff. So, well, I guess, I guess like this is specific to Canada and it, and it does seem so overtly corrupt and criminal with not a lot of remedy for the people. What do you see going on financially around the world? A lot of people are, are talking about a potential crash and uh, is there a remedy to these? It seems like the bankers are outside of law because no one, there's no institution like RCMP in Canada, FBI in the States, whatever it might be in the UK. There's no institution that's going to go get these, you know, billionaires, trillionaires, whatever they have, because they own the whole financial sector. So what is the, what is a human being, what can they do as a remedy to kind of opt out of this? Um, you know, some people think cryptocurrency is the way with Bitcoin. Uh, some people think the um, resources like actually silver and gold backed is an idea, um, but what can the everyday person do to understand this? And like, what do they need to know to make smart financial choices? And, and what do you see uh, happening around the world with the, uh, you know, the, the system at large. Oh, well, what I think they're going to do is they're going to try and just, uh, they're going to cancel all the debt and um, sell it to the public as this is massive forgiveness and the bankers are taking the hit and all this. And it's absolute nonsense. They're going to, they want to, the debt is, is totally void anyways, but what they want to avoid is an accounting and an audit that will reveal all of the theft that's been going on for hundreds of years. And when that happens, um, well, who knows what's going to happen? It's, it doesn't matter how much stuff you get on them. Once it gets in front of a court, the judge just goes, these are not the droids you're looking for. Move along. Is this kind and of similar to like what I've heard with the IMF saying like uh, like the W World Economic Forum, like you'll be you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Basically, like we're going to forgive that. I've seen saw something in Canada where like the World Economic Forum, quote unquote, bails us all out. But we actually don't own like you said, the land in Canada, you don't actually don't own it. You have a privilege to be on it for some sort of period of time that you pay for. So it's just so far removed from natural living and uh, fairness and equality and truth and justice. It's kind of obscene. We... And so do you, I guess, what, what could the, what could the everyday person do and what could humanity do to, to right this wrong? If it's so corrupt that, that no institution will enforce it, or could we just opt out and build something new and just not even participate in that and say, I'm not even, dealing with you i'm going to do something else i'm going to build something better that's what warix is about oh all right well explain okay okay <laughs> what, what i did was i um you, you won't understand all of this but but i've done my research and i know what i'm talking about and that is that 
there is something called uh, what I've done is I've I've um, uh, declared an equity lien and salvage on one hundred and fifty trillion dollars worth of uh, financial instruments worldwide. It's the U.S. It, all different home countries, you know, whether it's Canadian dollars, American dollars. It's all it's all uh, got a. If you convert it all to American dollars or U.S. dollars, it'd be about 150 trillion dollars for the mortgage debt. That's so far. That's what all I'm talking about. Now, uh, um, so what I've done is re is recognized that it was obtained obtained by you see by fraud or false pretense which means that the, you know, everybody knows what a legal title is or they think they do, but there's also an equity title to every, everything of any substantial value has two titles to it. You've got a legal title and you've got a use title. And the same applies to even money. Cash has both the use title and a legal title. And that, so if you have what's called an assignment of rents, cause you've got a commercial you got a mortgage on, I'll say, an apartment building or a hotel or something like that. They take what's called an, an assignment of rents, and that gives them a legal title to your gross cash flow revenue from the business. Now, they take that assignment of rents and they use it to make other investments in the global financial system on the world markets and stuff. So the bank's getting not only the mortgage payments, it's also getting the, the title to all of the gross cash flow that runs through the business. And the bank gets the legal title to wager with in the financial markets, whereas the so-called borrower gets the use title of the same money in order to pay the mortgage payments and the, and the staff and the taxes and the water and the lights and the electricity and, the, and what have you, see? So everybody forgets about the, um, the well, the, everybody confuses the two all the time to begin with. But at any rate, the thing is that um, they overlook the technicality and the and a, and a reality more than anything. And because it's criminal and fraud, in fact, uh, the bankers, see the, the the bankers never had any legal right to it because because of that. And the issuer of the promissory note to the issuers of the mortgages, for the most part, are not even aware that there is such a thing as an equity title. And that's why, to the securities itself. And so that's what means it's, it's constructively abandoned. And so because I found it in an abandoned state, I and, and because I know what it's worth, it gives me a, a moral, legal, and actual obligation to claim it, put it into trust for its rightful owners, and claim salvage on it. And that's what I've done. So everybody can just, you've got a, a common currency for the world that is a, um, the terms of association are strictly um, between and among beings of conscience and not legal entities. So we can have 7.8 billion people as a member of a big club that can decide on what rules it wants and what things can we do for ourselves so that we don't have to put this burden on government to do it for us. If you follow that. Okay. I, I think honestly, I followed that maybe like 
a very small amount, but I'm going to throw back my understanding okay. and hopefully other people understand as well. Okay. So I remember, I don't know if you're familiar with this Russell J Gould character. Um, very Ooh. fascinating. Something about uh, the United States going into bankruptcy and then him noticing it. And then he was able to capture the flag or something to become the postmaster general way beyond my comprehension. But it was interesting to see that he was doing uh, going in the courts for years. And he's had like, you know, a history of him in these courts and kind of understanding what's going on. So that's kind of similar to what I'm hearing you say. So you, you recognize this flaw in the system. And as I am looking in and really have just such a rudimentary understanding of maritime law, admiralty law, what's going on here, but, but what's become very clear is that is it, it is a criminal system like the 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 world in our governing system is like i knew that before but now i know it more and how their workings and all that kind of thing so what i'm kind of understanding is that there is truth like there is true things out there and true value and the way that they're doing this is through deception and sometimes you know some other things like you know other tools you know basically ignoring the facts like when you go to court and then they're you know misinterpreting terms and still you know not making the right calls or claims you found a remedy that you can kind of share with everybody else by absolutely this and so okay so what is the likelihood that we would actually experience that so we could overcome this criminal system because i imagine that they're not going to want to let that happen and then how might people participate in the remedy or solution for themselves and their family and for other people because when we got on the call here uh, you were saying i'm helping somebody who's going through a foreclosure um and when you looked at the big short right and what the banks did there and we know these criminal bankers and you can go back in history with the rockefellers and those certain families they're using it to control countries to control governments uh to control policies um, and they're way above law and government, and that needs to stop, right? So we need to bring it uh, the power yeah. back to the people. And I heard back in the day, like when they started doing this, like with the gold and the silver, with the lending, they kind of ran them out, like they they burned it down, right? But then they just popped up another one because people they're not on their toes, especially nowadays. People are very um, we're what's it called when you're kind of like comforted, we're docile, you know what I mean? We're oh being, yeah, yeah, we're Sedate. being uh, I. I don't know, like placated, just, you know, distracted. Right. And, and, but, and meanwhile, we're getting kind of sheared by this thing. So I'm kind of ranting. I don't know how to ask a very clear question, but how do, how do people participate in this? And what is the likelihood that this could actually uh, be accessed or used in Canada? And then I guess, what would that mean? How would that change well, if I have a mortgage or I'm massively in debt or this criminal system is active? <clears throat> how would that use it? And then I'll throw one other confusing thing in there for people, but I heard on your birth certificate, they traded on the open market and it's worth, you have a title worth lots of money back there by your living birth. And that's where they're actually getting this money from. And so some people say, well, there's money on your birth certificate, but that's where they're accessing all this stuff from. So I don't know if that's a separate thing and you're aware of that, or if that, if that plays into this, because well, it's basically they, yeah. debt, right? Like all yeah. of, we're, we're even we're all just in debt, so we're working like crazy. We can never pay it off, and, and the system is rigged that we're never going to pay it off. Yeah, right? absolutely. So. Well, as I said, look at you see. I tend to look at the macro stuff before I just start setting my trying to fine tune stuff. And that is that if you go back seventy five years ago to the end of World War II, 
1945, we here in Canada were fewer than 12 million people in possession of one-tenth of the planet's natural resource, diverse natural resource wealth. We should be, we should be like Saudi Arabian sheikhs. Every, every one of us um, should be a millionaire in, in terms of the trust that should be behind us because uh, because it's just the fact of it. It's, and South Africa's close to that too. You know, they're only 60 million people and South Africa's a pretty sweet piece of real estate. And that's why there's so many wars, right? Like uh, well, China and the States and, and uh, not to go on a tangent here, but uh, yeah. my friend Bear was telling me a story about making friends with the guy who started a private bank and it grew and he ended up actually getting assassinated because he was showing a government in Africa how to handle their own resources. But these battling countries wanted those resources so badly. So that's when they throw in military. You've got uh, uh, confessions of an economic hitman and what they do through the finances. And so it, it really all is about resources. So I'll just kind of throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're for sure. It, it's um, most certainly everything's always about resources, you know, they're fighting over and this sort of stuff. But the thing is that um, we, what we have is a situation where um, everybody is, is well, maleducated to, to not see what's important when, and, and other things it's like um, the credit cards. Okay. Do you, do you know that like Visa and MasterCard, they, they, they take a small fee they charge to the merchant. They, according to their official story. So if you want to, if you want to be a merchant and you want to accept Visa or MasterCard, you have to agree to give a price discount to your to your card users, so that the card company issuer can collect a concealed credit charge at the end of the grace period, while while getting its cardholder to believe there's no such credit charge. They're getting a free loan. See, so they force the merchant to give a price discount. And um, it's like 3% for MasterCard, 4% for Visa, and 5% for American Express. See, so now, so here's the question. What the, the way, when they're challenged on it, they call it a small transaction charge to the merchant to cover the costs of processing the transaction. Okay, that's the official story. So here's a question for you. Which do you think is greater? the aggregate budgets of the US military, NASA, the NSA and the CIA, CIA combined or the total of these small transactions charges that are taken at any given time you know, over a year. Well, I would think the military and NASA and all that because it's massive. But I'm no, you're out, you're out by about half. The actual the Visa and MasterCard banks are skimming approximately $1.5 trillion every two years or about a trillion every 18 months. Is this like the Superman movie thing? Remember that one where he's just like taking a little bit off every transaction? You remember that? Oh, very vaguely. Yeah, it's I, just I, like I, something they figured out a, a way to like trim like one cent off every single. Oh, yeah, no, no, this is. And it was. This is, well, these guys are, there's the Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, all, all of these credit and charge card companies alone, they take a total of uh, about two, the, the U, globally, the USD equivalent of $2 billion a day. Okay. It's uh, at which 
happens to be the combined gross income of the one billion poorest humans. They live oh my on two, God. See, that's $2 a day, $2 billion a day in the aggregate for those one billion people. And it's exactly the same amount that a relative handful of families skim off the global throughput every single day. Sorry, sorry, you got 35,000 infants in mortality rate, but children under five years of age that die every single day due to disease and mostly due to malnutrition on the same planet where these clowns are skimming $2 billion a day. And that's on top of the $500 billion every 18 months they collect as interest on the called interest on the outstanding balances. So it's like, oh, we, yeah, yeah, we have to uh, collect about a billion dollars a day in interest on the accounts to cover our $10 million a day in actual expenses. That's 1%. We're only overcharging you 100 times what, what, what we're actually spending to run the electricity through the system and the computers that we've paid for with the same skimming that's going on. And you say, well, okay, give me a... Um, or what are they're charging you? Um, like I say, it's about $2 billion a day and it works out to about a trillion dollars every, every 18 months. And at the same time, they're charging another half a trillion dollars every 18 months, um, which is, so they're saying, look, we're spending $10 million a day for which we need $1 billion a day in account interest, plus another $2 billion a day in concealed credit charges as a rake off that you don't know about. And you don't need to know about that. And the merchant, if he tells you, we yank his license because that's part of the contract. You keep your mouth shut about the concealed credit charges and you tell the customer he's getting a free loan. So keep running those purchases through so we can keep skimming our $2 billion a day off the global three throughput. And who gives a rat's ass if 35,000 children a day die because of it? I got my new Mercedes, my new Porsche or whatever. Or Can do probably... spaceship, <laughs> geez. Sorry, I get a little no that's that's pissed a, off at these people yeah no this is insane so you know again when i go back to like the remedy oh, thing i think like the remedy like, we need some sort of intergalactic court but if we're not going to like you know some sort no, no, of no 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 this is i come to the conclusion after 30 years you cannot beat them so what do you do you go around them and that's what works is about okay well good yeah so, i was gonna say that or the people you know what i mean yes, like the people it is people it's absolutely the people to, like you know, take out, you know, like Buckminster Fuller's quote, right? You don't fight the, uh, you don't, you know, fight the old system, you, you build the new one, something like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I really got to memorize that. I use it all the time. And sometimes I get it bang on and sometimes I butcher it like that, but well, we need to build the new system. So how do right. we build a new system and how do we participate okay. in that? Some people Let, think it's Bitcoin. Um, it is, it is Bitcoin. No, no, my, the Warwick system is developing beaks. They're called BEEC, which is bonded equity exchange credits. So it's an equity secured Bitcoin. Okay. Okay. So, so are the Bitcoin people are going to be stoked on this? Or are they, are they going to understand it? Or because I have my, my understanding of Bitcoin is kind of basic. I, I get the ledger and there's a certain amount and all that. So is it an upgrade on Bitcoin or are the Bitcoin people? Going oh, yeah. To be yeah. No, Bitcoin this? will be out of, they'll be, they won't be out of business, but, but this is a, this is orders of magnitude more. Uh, 
bigger because the thing is that it's all prepaid. You've already been cheated out of the bank. You can't, the courts won't do anything. So we have to make our own remedy. And that's just simply recognize the equity title so that let's say that you in your, in your lifetime, you've had a total free mortgages and the total principal that you've registered at the, well, actually I'll get, let me put it this way. Let's say you had one mortgage for $500,000 three years ago or whatever. Well, all you got to do is come to WareX and we'll give you 500,000 credits for it. We'll swap it one for one on the, uh, through the US dollar as, uh, as the gauge. It's, it's got nothing to do with US dollars. It's just how the, the measuring device. So if you've got a, if you've got a um, say a $500,000 Canadian mortgage registered in Toronto, then all you have to do is prove it and we'll give you 400,000 bonded equity exchange credits in return. And it's all free. Okay, that sounds that sounds great. And then what, how do I spend it? I can't go to, I can't. Well, that's what, what we're having to do. I've got a number of ways to do that, but it has to happen all, all at once, if you will. Because <clears throat> if they know what you're doing, they'll we'll probably hit some resistance. Right. But, so is but, this it's, but, I, but basically I've got $150 trillion worth of Bitcoin that I want to give away to people pro rata to the amount of their mortgages and it's all free. So, and every also, I've taken the, um, the 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 initial configuration is we we come up with a uh, a equity a being of conscience club with seven point eight billion members, and we the imputed value of that, if you use the Visa and Mastercard business model over the next twenty five to thirty years will be $56 trillion in market cap at 20 to one. Meaning, uh, if you don't understand price earnings ratios and that sort of thing. Okay, <laughs> then if, 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 if WareX were on the stock market, it would just the basic infrastructure would be worth, uh, and the business model would be worth 56 trillion US dollars, which we then divide evenly per capita among everybody who's on the system so that everybody starts with a basic credit of 7,000 credits, $7,000 US. Okay, well that, that, okay. <laughs> well, that sounds, first of all, way too good to be true. And I, I like it. So how in the world do we make that thing happen? And what kind of time frame? and what would you need? Like how, okay. how would that participation or adoption work? I don't know. I, I've been, like I said, over the, over the last 30 years, I've, I've well, not, be my whole life, but I've, I've read about a million pages of books. And if you you're read saying, this stuff, you're, you're saying you're, a book a week for like 40, 40 years. years. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, it's something you, that I, I do and I, I enjoy it. And, and um, a lot of it is history. What do we got? Oh, I don't know if this is here. Hold on a sec. Yeah, okay. See, like, for example, back in 2003 and four, about 18 months, I don't know if you can see this, but I read those 30,000 pages of dictionary, of antique law dictionaries. Jeepers. And- That sounds, that put me right to sleep. <laughs> well, no, no, but you see, my mind is the type that um, reading dictionaries and encyclopedia is exactly what I need because I can jump around from one subject to the next, you know, maybe two or three times a page, you got different words and different terms, you know? 
And um, so for whatever reason that I was able to get into it, it took me about a year and a half, but I read all, all 30,000 pages. And wow. you start, as you're doing it, you start to see connections between things and, you know, thing. and um, I've got a balanced left brain, right brain so that I can, I can do both uh, the, the math and the creative stuff. And that's why I say that the, the um, trying to understand the modern financial system is like trying to do or trying to play five dimensional chess at the Mad Hatter's tea party. You know, half of it you can you can go into intricate detail on a scalar process like like the um, chaos theory, et cetera. You just keep going down further and further in, in scalar quantities. But at the other half of it is completely batshit crazy. They just make it up because it's supposed to be. It's like, hey, the people aren't walking, aren't looking here. Let's distract them with something over here. And it, it became an art form. And um, I started to recognize the signs of it and that they were actually professional schizophrenics. And that's what our whole government is. is. We took 500 years ago or 400 years ago, they said, hey, why don't we take the most common human mental illness called schizophrenia or multiple personalities and we'll make a government on, on that business model. And so we'll have the queen with, with the queen and right of blah, blah, the crown and right of Canada, of New Zealand, Australia. We'll split it up into, into 30 or 40 different personalities. And then we'll just deal with it like, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> they don't think about it very much. But at any rate, the, the point is that the, the Buerex business model is completely sound. It, it's, it'll blow you away. But the thing is that I'm not an administrator in any sense. I, I'm, I've been doing the reading for 30 years. I, I've written all the stuff. If you go to Werex and you want to read two pieces, I would go to, I would read the, um, uh, it's called, it's on, I think the Werex docs, main docs, and you're looking for the um, notice of abatement, mortgage payment, uh, or no, is it? No, no. Mortgage pay, mortgage payment abatement. Uh, oh, there it is. Oh, you got it. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Go to which one is it? Uh, notice of equity lien. No. How about works home? I was just laughing. I was on mute. I was saying I like the uh, the uh, rule of law, my butt. Yeah, well, I started the the nominal my butt rule of law, my butt, uh, the whole my butt <laughs> series. But uh, oh, it was it. Um, what about if I search answer? for? Him? We're looking for. Um, I can't understand why this isn't here. Uh, Samuel, notice. Oh. Invitation, Werex docs, flyer, anatomy, general summary, Werex notice of equity lien. No, here we go to this one. Oh, it's uh, starting at number six. Oh, is it yeah. part one? oh, this one goes one to five, and then the next one is one to six. I'm not a web guy or anything like that, and I, but I've got it. If you if you want to read it, um, maybe I can send it to you directly. Yeah, I'll do. A, I'll okay. do a link up in the show notes. So, what did you say it was called again? It's called the, um, um, oh, notice of 
equity abatement, or, or no mortgage payment abatement. Um, Is this where you can somewhat discharge your mortgage or not pay it or something? No, you you can't you can't fight the regular system. Um, you can let them know what's going on and that the, you know that they know. But most of the people, you know, it, it's like we're dealing with a relative handful of people who are controlling the whole planet by playing large groups of people off against each other. So right. it doesn't do, you, you don't want to give the, the employees at the bank grief because they're the ones they're being abused more than we are even. Well, not quite, but, but pretty much you can, um, it, it drains the energy out of them having to do deal with so much deceit and deception all the time. And it really does. It hurts them as people. And, um, but this, uh, this other one here, hold on. Uh, eh, finder. Can I turn this on? Yeah, of course I can. <laughs> um, desktop, no documents. And then we get me. And it's called the Warex Lean Statement and Report. No. Oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll post it on there when I find it here. Um, got so many different things. No. no, that's all right. Well, we'll get them. We'll, okay. Yeah, we'll 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 direct people. I guess what I'm trying to do is, uh, if people want to participate or try to, you know, help move this forward, uh, what is it they can do, and and what would you need? We're going to need, um, like I say, it, it, it's some, we just need people, people who, who are willing to like read the material, be able to recommend it to their friends and say, wait, you know, if you, if you actually read this stuff, it blows people away because I am very careful about it. I'm not speaking about it, but I'm, um, but writing about it, it comes across very, very clear and people look at it and they go, Oh my goodness! I never never occurred to me that that was what was going on. But once somebody points it out to you, it's easy. You know, it's the easiest thing in the world to see, and um, and you realize. As I say, the the matrix is not a uh, it's not a computer program. It's a mirror image because that's how they're getting us. That's how they're tricking our senses. It's it's the left right mirror image switch, even though you can still recognize the people. You go, oh, I know that guy. Oh, wait a minute. There's something wrong. It's because you're looking at a mirror image and everything that's left is right. And, and that, that they've turned that into an art form in finance. And so the, you, you keep, they, they keep robbing you twice and saying, it's okay. We made it better with the second time. <laughs> and it's, it's really, really nuts. But any, but any rate, the thing is that um, if you read the, the, um, the one on is called the Mortgage Payment Abatement Advisory, which will explain why it is illegal for you to make any further payments to the bank because you'll be participating in money laundering. So, and if you read it, you, you get the whole thing. It's like, it takes about 25, 30 minutes to read, but it'll save you 30 years of research. So if I read that and I have a mortgage, does that mean I can stop paying it? No, no, no. You, you, you don't <laughs> want to do that because... They'll come after you and make an example out of you. 
Right. And okay. uh, so that's why we need large numbers of people. And, um, and once you get enough, uh, it'll become unstoppable because it's solid. There's no, there's no smoke and mirrors. It's, it's, you're going, wow. It's, I never saw yeah, that. it's seeing through the deception. And I think uh, how this works is through uh, knowing the truth, right? So it's like, hey, right. it's like, this is true. This is all facts. It's not conjecture. It's not myth. It is what it is. You can label it all as fact, but there needs to be enough people in that conviction and understanding of the knowledge to then move forward as a unit to get something done. Like with the movements across the world, uh, talking about like, uh, you know, opening everything up. Well, that's only going to work if everybody opens up their shops, everybody stops wearing masks and participates and we can go back to normal. But um, otherwise, you know, they're just going to pick out the few dissenters and they're going to keep going and going. And, um, you know, people are going to realize like, it's, it's surprising to me how, how many people are still asleep and, and are just listening to everything with, with the unbelievable amount of deception and, and stupidity going on, but they're going to keep going. But ideally enough of us wake up and we have to take an action because it's going to keep going. It's only going to get worse unless we do something and we need to participate in solutions. And if enough of us can do that, we are the power, you know what I mean? Humans together are incredibly powerful and that's what we need to do. We need to get out of this confusion and this system that is just fleecing us, um, you know, move towards something that's fair and just and good. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Well, as I say, as I say I, I've had three major areas of research, you know, over the 30 years, and they are the, the nominal method, the credit card business, and the mortgage thing. And each one of them accounts for all debt everywhere in the world independently today. So you, you make remedy for any one of these three despicably criminal acts and, and foundational business models that they've been employing for the last hundred years. If you have to do any one of them, if they have to give refunds, all the debt's gone everywhere in the world and they got to start paying back. But of course you'll never get that. I mean, it's, you know, on, on that, you know, the people who, who set up this system, they're, none of them are alive anymore. They've been dead for 200 years. There's nobody to punish it's too late. You know, and the people today, they're just riding the gravy train that, that they were born on. I, I don't think that there's any, uh, you know, that we have to, as a species, we have to evolve by, by becoming less, uh, I mean, for, you know, ever since humans first walked out of a cave, we've been obsessed with and essentially defined by two things, and that is domination and punishment. And, and we can't, what, what makes me such a very special human is I am among the very first generation of humans for whom that is no longer a viable business model. Mm. We, we have more destructive potential in every one of us now because of technology that it is only a matter of time before somebody pushes the wrong button at the wrong time and we're all dead. We must change and get away from coercion as a basic social way of interacting, you know? And... Um, if we don't, it doesn't matter what we do. When you look at the relative, you know, I was just writing something the other night about the the, the height of the um, the British Empire in 1830, uh, you know, relatively speaking. Um, and I said, and I wrote there, you know, at somewhere between, you know, it could be 1897. Most people think was the the pinnacle 
was the jubilee year for for um, Victoria, and um, but we'll, whatever in that in that time you say well the they the, the British Empire hit its zenith, its absolute highest point as a world power, and it was at the time the undisputed world power and 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 leader etc cetera, etc, cetera. but that was relatively speaking. Now today, 120 years later, or 150 years later, the UK or the England and the, the, the you know basic four countries there um, are nowhere near as relatively powerful as they were then, but they are massively more powerful in absolute terms. I mean, one nuclear submarine armed with 16 missiles has got more destructive force than the entire British Empire in 1850. Even though it was, it was number one at that time, uh, man, and that's going on um, every year, just gets more and more destructive potential, more stuff. So if we don't find a way to, to change, we don't have a whole lot of time left because it's just, uh, especially when you look at the, the clowns running the show, oh, they're scary. The things they can deceive themselves into believing is just mind boggling. And um, so I go off on that thing. So that's what keeps me sane when I get really angry. You want to just beat these people to a pulp, but you can't do that anymore. Sorry, that's not on the agenda anymore because uh, well, that's what I was saying. But as far as the, um, the 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 system goes, you know, where there is danger, there is opportunity as well. And we have opportunity here to change the system to say, well, you know, I really don't need you telling me what to do, Mr. Banker, Mr. Politician. We're going to form a group of, uh, where the terms of association are solely between beings of conscience and not legal constructs. And there's 8 billion of us, and it's a club, uh, except for the first 20 years, no lawyers are allowed. And that, that <laughs> but you, you'll understand why when you read the stuff on, on the thing. It's not, I'm not doing that vindictively or, or maliciously, but it's just to safeguard the institution, the new one. You cannot have these professional language manipulators have anything to do with it. Yeah. And they have to be actively excluded or at least kept out of the, they can still have the, you know, the accounts. But, but at any rate, you see what would happen though is this $2 billion a day rake off by the Visa MasterCard banks and the, and the other credit charge cards, the purpose is to deliberately cripple small business. See, there, see if, you're, if you're surviving on a 10% gross margin, then 3% is 30% of your operating profit. It's huge. And, they, you know, and it's, it's because a bank shall not engage in any other trade or business. So they say, oh, well, then we'll just, we'll just take a rake off as the money system. So we'll get 30% equity interest for nothing. Hey, that works for us too. And, um, uh, but like I say, you, you've got to, um, that's what they're doing is it's, it's about greed 
but it's more about domination for its own sake. They need to dominate. And so they don't want any of these businesses getting out of control. So if you want to, I don't know, I did a survey in, in, in Nanaimo when, in 97, when I first moved to the island and um, the average small business, like a haircutting shop or, and stuff like that they were looking at having to pay 75 to 150 dollars a month plus five percent of their gross to get visa and man like 75 each uh, ridiculous for, yeah just just for the uh, so-called equipment rental now of course that's a that's a scam and a half of itself but it's just it's just different way of saying interest and um but this the more the merchant does have to pay for that physically the the, the 75 or 100 dollars a month the, but he he doesn't give he doesn't pay for the discounts he has to give price discounts see so it's it's really see if you really understand what's going on because they're skimming the two billion a day from the payment stream at the end of the grace period every two every day they take two billion but they and stuff it into their own pockets as their interest income but that two billion also doesn't get used to reduce your real balance so it's really four billion a day. And then the merchant, he has to give the price discount to hide the fact that you're getting the concealed credit just charges. And so he has to go to his offering account at the margin and borrow money or take credit from the bank at 21% for another 2 billion a day. So it's really 6 billion a day. <laughs> if, you're, if you get your head around that, how it's working. It, it's, um, if, yeah, because if you're a banker, every dollar you spend Puts a dollar, or you steal, puts a dollar in your pocket now, and it p pays you interest on that dollar forever. Which mm -hmm. is why the bankers own everything. You can't. There's no way to avoid it. Under this system of credit reinsurance, it turns the banks into asset sinks, and only real assets go in. Only unsecured liabilities come out, and now they're reaching the end of the line. They've got. They own it all. Everything on earth is owned by the bankers. You just don't realize it. For example, you know, you got people in the States and they'll say, well, what are you talking about? I don't have a mortgage. I don't own any money in my house. Yeah, but what you don't realize is that your county that you live in issued bonds to these international things. They're coming due. And when they default, they're going to own your house. Oh, that's how that works, huh? Oh, yeah. You're, you're, wow. or, or rather, in order to forestall that default, we're going to jack your property taxes up until you just leave the state and abandon the property because you can't sell it or you'll have to sell it for a song because nobody will pay you what it's worth because of the property taxes that we have to jack up because we made these criminal agreements with these international finance companies who never brought anything to the transaction but only reinsured the debt we gave them in the first place or the credit that we advanced to them, which is why people get a little upset once they once they realize they've been cheated and made it look like idiots in addition to having all of their wealth stolen they get a little upset you know and um <laughs> that's insane oh my goodness well <laughs> my brain hurts i like yeah. i i understand I, some of it like the surface level um it's good that you know the participation factor and it's good that uh like like you said, uh, the opportunities, like when there's great injustice, there's great harm, there's great opportunity for a solution. And then everybody yeah. like wildfire, if it is a tangible 
solution that makes sense, uh, we can adopt that immediately. And a lot of this, though, I, I believe requires a little bit of, of work and a knowledge. You know what I mean? We actually have to put that time in and work together, find these solutions and understand, you know, to the level of criminality of what's going on so that we can you know, find a solution because the right. ignorance is not going to help us. You know what I mean? It's only going right. to drive us further into the ground as deep and, you know, as, as, as they can go, we're going to go if we don't, if we don't kind of wake up, you know? Yep, absolutely. And I've got my, uh, oh, one thing I should mention is although I have my, um, uh, under the, the laws and customs of salvage, I'm entitled to a commission on the salvage of the equity titles. The 150 trillion. So I've claimed 1%. It's normally between 10 and 50, depending on the thing, but the, the amount is so huge that 1% is plenty. That gives me 1.5 trillion credits that I can spend in order to buy infrastructure for the Warex itself. Hmm. See, now imagine what would have happened if Bitcoin would have provided for themselves or for the company itself to have a 1.5 trillion Bitcoin slush fund to buy infrastructure, or it wouldn't have been that much, but let's say they had had, if, like say $500 billion as a sort of a, um, an auxiliary fund that when Bitcoin hit $20,000 a coin the first time, they could have gone and bought up infrastructure to, to get it all around the world. Okay. Well, my beaks are that. Oh, well, the other thing is beaks are, are, if you get a million coins in our system, 10% of it has to go into your bonding fund. And under your bonding fund, everyone who's got a seat on the exchange, the Warex exchange, they agree not to commit any act of common law felony or money laundering or, um, you know, child molestation, terrorism, what have you. Everybody will agree on a, on a, um, uh, on a set of rules that you're you're bonding and then it's like a whole life thing so that over time by not having any claims against your bond you earn it back the premium so you'll and, and you know you'll eventually get it anyways but this way you can have things like what i call bonded blog where you just have to state your facts and post how much you're willing to uh to underwrite it for so if anybody wants to say you're full of crap they have to challenge your on your blog. They have to challenge your facts, and you would have to pay damages if they can prove those facts are false. Hmm. So, so we, you can get rid of all this nonsense on the internet about everybody screaming at each other and calling you know trolls and all this other stuff, and um, put your money where your mouth is, and everybody would have money too because the beaks. See, like I say, it's all it's all prepaid equity because the banks have already stolen the one point five trillion. They just forgot about the equity titles that I've claimed and salvaged and put into trust and everybody can get that back. And as long as we all agree, you see, it's because all of the information that, that is behind the, the credits is registered at the land title offices. Hmm. See, it's already there. You don't have to think. So somebody who's had a million dollars worth of mortgages will get a million dollars worth of coins. Somebody who's only had a hundred thousand dollars will only get a hundred thousand. That's that's in a way not fair when you consider the larger thing. But I but there's no other way to do it. And so, 
we're just going to start with the whatever your largest mortgage you've ever registered is, that'll be your initial disbursement of coins. And like I say, it's all free. It's got to be free. Otherwise, it isn't going to work. And um, and you just have to come up with a way to, to, to get enough sort of ground floor financing so that you can put the time and effort into it that it needs and get the right people. Because like I say, I, I wouldn't know how to, I, I used to do HTML 20 years ago, but it, it confused, I couldn't handle it both it, it was it just interfered with my ability to uh read <laughs> to wow read so yeah well, so anyways it's all there's there only, yeah. there's only so much that you can like kind of master you know what i mean and, and to set up a system that would you know like again i'm only kind of wrapping my head around this but i i love the idea and the solution and i feel like um, if there's, you know, even 20 people that understand this uh, to a high level that can work together to get oh, it to absolutely. another step and another step, then then people can kind of adopt it and right. you know work together, integrate other systems because really everyone is looking for a solution and people are looking for freedom. And when we're getting, you know, enslaved through uh, now our frigging quote unquote healthcare death care system, the yeah. government, uh, taxes, police, like the whole thing is just becoming so ridiculous. You know, we need an opportunity. This is, you know, this is the biggest pain point humanity's ever um, had because this is like us moving toward global enslavement. And that's the goal. You know, part of that is financial. One world, one digital cryptocurrency, you know, so it's all on there. They can shut off your, your, you know, if your visa card stops working, you know, and it's all crypto and this fake system backed by nothing with no actual value, it, you know, they're going to totally own you. So um, what a fascinating uh, idea. I'm going to definitely look more into it. And I hope that if, you know, you know, somebody in finance or, or kind of wrap their head around this, I would love to see uh, where this goes because I could see it being something that five or 10 years from now, it's like the, uh, the thing you give to the future, you know, this is based on something real. Um, yeah. It makes more sense. It's community greed upon. Um, and it's, and you know, all money's belief, right? The money is actually like the paper money is now useless. It's just a debt note. And we're just agreeing it has value. That's all that's right. happening. It's like, I agree that this piece of paper has value. That's it. So if we agree to something else that has value based on a system that makes sense, we understand that's even better. So, um, Man, this is my brain hurts. <laughs> this is fascinating. I'm going to dive more into it. Is there anything <laughs> uh, that you wish that I'd asked or that you want to talk about before we close this up? No, not really. It's like I say, it's uh, I'm I give a, a 20 hour seminar over a weekend and um, um, it, it's hard to get in. I, I'm sorry if I sound disjoint and jumping all over the place and everything. It's just that there's there's no need to worry. There there really is no debt. They've all they've admitted it, and I found out where they buried the confessions. They're saying, well, okay, this is technically criminal, but we're not going to prosecute. Uh, yeah, this has been made illegal a hundred times in the last twenty or twenty centuries, but we're going to pretend it's a new thing here so that nobody asks. Oh, bankers aren't supposed to charge loan fees at all. Oh. Who, what a weird concept until you read thousand years of history, no loan fees, no loan fees, no loan fees. Screw that. We're charging loan fees because it leverages the debt. See, see a 5% loan fee on a 24 and a 30 year mortgage amortization can leverage the total cost of credit by 50%. See, you, you not only pay the bank, the, you pay them the 5% up front as an extra bonus for their own pocket to go have a party with. <laughs> and then, then you end up paying them um, up to 30 years more interest on it 
and then you repay or pay them the same fee again as um, pretended principal. So when you get everything, well, there's four things actually, but regardless, that's why you're not the, the it's they it's been made illegal uh, like you know when they when they said that that was what the issue was in 1981 when they said well what about a, a standby fee standard you know the rate of interest being infinite uh, would surely be above 60 percent could not the bank be charged with charging a criminal rate of interest for standby fee and I just said well theoretically yes but um, that that's why we're going to require the permission of the attorney general for criminal pros prosecutions. Now, they made it sound like it was some weird, bizarre technicality that never come up before. But you've got a, lit a litany for 300 years of parliament repeatedly making it illegal for banks to leverage through loan fees. It's contrary to the accounting laws. It's not, you know, if they could get away with it to the, hunt, to the nth degree, they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, your mortgage is for uh, $500,000 and over 25 years, you're gonna pay uh, a total of another 500,000 for a grand total of 1 million. So what we've done is we've taken the 500,000 in advance as interest so that you get nothing and all you have to do is pay us the 500,000 back after over the 25 years. See, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it's because interest and time are inseparable. You can't start playing with them. It's, well, if we have to wait for the actual passage of the time for us to claim our interest on the time adjust on the amounts, then uh, that's really a drag. I'd like a new Mercedes today. So here's what we're going to do. I'll loan you a hundred and or I'll loan you a million or eight hundred thousand dollars today at ten percent as long as you give me a registered security and you swear under oath and penalty of perjury that I've loaned you a million dollars at 8%. Plus you give me a $200,000 kickback under the table by a separate side agreement that we don't need to mention in the registered security. Does that sound like a criminal act to you? Yep. Yeah. How about 14 <laughs> of them including money laundering and racketeering. That is a basic business model of the banking system throughout the world. And there's nothing we can do about it because the biggest beneficiaries and cross beneficiaries are the legal profession whose biggest source of income are the kickbacks from the falsified securities that they then register for the banks at the, at the land title office. It's, it's a real nice club. <laughs> Jeez. You rob my customers and I'll rob yours. We both get rich and screw the masses. You know, it's just, it's, anyways, it's, it's like, um, it's entertaining as hell to, to sort of just watch the psychiatry of it because these people are batshit crazy, but they're, the richer you are, the more batshit crazy you are. And that can only go on for maybe 50, 60 years, but we're, Heading towards the edge of a cliff, I'm afraid. Wow. Well, you just put it in uh, in more detail than I that I've ever heard. And uh, well, it's nice to know that you found some sort of solution. And I feel like yeah, yeah, people are waking up to this, and that's all that's required is the participation to look for something better, look for something that is based on uh, equity, right? What's what's just and fair, what's equitable, 
um, based on values and morality and uh, truth, you know, and, and the whole system is built on deceased and criminality and, and the higher up you go into the, you know, and it is the yeah. banking, the international banking cartel, it's a thing. So they've got way too much power to circumvent it. So we need to take our energy out of it and put it into something else, anything else, um, you know, and that, and that's where we get our power back. So this has been uh, mind blowing, very dense, uh, but I appreciate it. And uh, I just appreciate your work and putting those systems together. Where do people find out um, more about you and your work and your articles? And if they want to connect, where do they go? Oh, I'm trying to put everything up on Werex and you can download everything, which I would suggest to people they should probably do very soon because I don't know how long it can stay up there. There's some pretty sensitive stuff here that would just blow a lot of people's minds. And um, so in, in the, it's, it, the server's in South Africa. I don't know if, uh, you know, it's fairly safe, but it, I mean, there's no problem with the server. It's just as far as them shutting it down remotely. Um, but the best, the, the two that you should read for sure are the, uh, the mortgage payment abatement advisory, which I will put up uh, before tomorrow yeah. morning. Okay. And the other one is the um, money lending my butt, or the it was just this the uh, on credit reinsurance versus money lending. That that one is uh, is up there on the menu too. And um, as I say, I tried to take ten thousand pages of research, and I was able to condense it to sixteen. It's really right. good. It's probably the finest thing I've ever written, and. Um, which one's this? The, the one on the abatement. Uh, well, both actually. Okay. They're both pretty close. They're both under 20 pages so that they're, or no, I shouldn't say that. Um, but it, it's an easy, either one will take you about half an hour to read and uh, they'll blow your mind. Um, I'll check it out. I'll okay. check it out. Well, and I advise everybody to, to check it out as well because uh, like it's, it's the participation and the knowledge you know, that's, that's what's required. We need to put some effort into this. So I just appreciate right. all your work and uh, <laughs> Eaton's that's uh, the flash of the past for me. So uh, mm -hmm. very fascinating stuff. People check out the website. Thank you so much for your work. And I hope that uh, you know, that this solution or other ones, you know, come together, you get the team you need and we just exit, you know, we move. Exactly. I'll, I'll participate tomorrow. So. Uh, all right. Let's get some help, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you and I appreciate all your work. Oh, thank you. Have you? Nice right. talking to you. Yeah, we'll stay mm -hmm. in touch. Thanks, guys, for watching. Check out the website. Peace. <laughs>